welcome to Unbroken. I'm Alexandra Amore. I'm an author, a coach, and a lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life and the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including letting go of unwanted habits. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. And now, here's the show. Jerry Kramer, welcome to Unbroken. Uh, Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. So let's begin. Tell us a bit about your background and uh, yeah, just how you got interested in the three principles. Sure. Well, so I've been a psychotherapist for, it's always hard to think of this, over 20 years, about 25, I guess, and um, doing pretty traditional psychotherapy, one-on-one talk therapy, um, various kinds of modalities, uh, and um, really kind of enjoyed what I was doing. But looking back now, I know I was kind of burned out, didn't know it then, but definitely was burning out. Um, So how I ran into the principles, it was so in 2019, actually kind of begins with, with a little tragedy, I lost my daughter really suddenly. And right after that COVID happened. So lost my daughter, I kind of shut my practice down. Uh, About the time I was kind of gathering my thoughts again, COVID happened. So we shut down again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I found myself sitting at home, locked down, and we were really locked down. I had my elderly parents with me. We were being really careful Mm. uh, with nothing to do. Uh, And um, at some point, probably about six months in, I realized I was drinking every day, not a lot, but I'd never done that, but I was drinking every day. So I signed up for a 30 day sober challenge. And I wish I could tell you the woman's name. She wrote a book called This Naked Mind. I can't oh, remember yes. I Annie, know the book. Annie something. Yeah. Annie Grace. Something. Annie Grace. That's it. Yes. Yeah. So she wrote that book and I did a 30 day online challenge with her, which I, cause I just really loved how she was looking at kind of a mindfulness approach. And on that challenge, they interviewed Amy Johnson. Mm. And I thought, oh, there is something here. Mm. So I signed up for the little school of big change. All the time going, oh, there's something here. Having no idea she was talking about the three principles. Right. Right. Because she didn't say it. Yeah. And then she interviewed Bill Pettit, who was a psychiatrist working with the three principles. And things just started lighting up. Like, I just knew this was something so much more than I was seeing. And um, got my hands on as many books as I could. It was COVID. Everything was coming online. I just was able to immerse myself and found myself really revitalized not only personally but in my work mm-hmm. um, really excited to go back to work right couldn't wait for things to lift so I could see more people um which is not where I'd been so uh and then personally things were just shifting and changing and easing and ah uh, just a whole new world and it continues right I mean you know yeah. you see it just keeps rolling for you yeah so that's how I ended up looking to the three principles. Wow. Nice. And so when your practice started up again and you began sharing this, uh, what did that look like? Like, Oh my gosh. I, I remember the day I walked back 
the first time I was able to have somebody back in my office, right, mm. as COVID was kind of lifting. And actually, I take that back. It was in my, my office is attached to my home and it was in my backyard because we could be outside, right? And it was beautiful here. It was, it was springtime. But I had to walk through my office to sit down with that person. And I had a bookshelf sitting there full of all my years of psychotherapy books. And I remember going, oh my gosh, what am I doing <laughs> And um, that I couldn't use what I, I, that changed a little. We can certainly talk about it. But realizing that everything I'd done wasn't going to serve me in the same way or my clients. But I just was sitting down with so much excitement. So what began to change is, hmm, I wasn't the expert anymore, right? I was along for an exploration with, with my clients into really looking at something different. It was no longer what psychotherapy traditionally had been for me, which is um, identify a symptom, have some kind of technique to deal with the symptom. If it's really bad, go get them to a psychiatrist and they can get medication. Um, Always felt a little thin (laughs) as far as treatment goes. I knew I had was always able to give a really good space for people. They felt safe. They felt heard. And I think that was really valuable. Um, but this was different because now I could shine my light back on the light back on my clients and really see their health. And that was the journey now is getting them home, right? Mm. Giving them something that was theirs. They, I mean, letting them see something that was theirs, um, getting them home and they could walk out with it. Mm. And it was theirs and it wasn't, you didn't need to come back for a tune up. You didn't have to have another crisis and come see me. <laughs> so it was like this revelation of hope, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the feeling in the room changed. There was a lot more laughing, yeah. uh, a lot less crying, <laughs> um, a lot more being a lot more uh, one peer to peer kind of one, right? It wasn't like, let me tell you what to do. And if you don't do it, you, you're not doing it right or something, right? Just all that changed. So, yeah. 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 Did you have any clients that you'd worked with prior to coming across this understanding that came back and then you introduced them to the principles? Yeah. You know, so I did it subtly. Um, I, it, it was kind of interesting because I had this kind of artificial gap in there between the death of my daughter and, and COVID so people came back and um, I just started kind of subtly shifting. I don't know how subtle it was. I just started shifting <laughs> what I was doing. Um, and I had a few clients who returned from before and came back. And um, I had clients that I had seen on and off for years that in some places, at some points I had thought, well, the best I can do is just giving them a safe place to land when they need it. Like, you know, like, People with some pretty severe mental illness, what I called mental illness at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I see those people well, mm-hmm. right? And um, remarkably so. Mm-hmm. So they they trusted me enough to not think I was too kooky. I was, um, I didn't say, oh, here's the three principles. I just started living it in connection with them. Mm-hmm. And I just kept saying, here's what I see now. Here's, mm-hmm. here's what I see. And that was really important. You know, you can only give what you see. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, 
And that was another kind of changing space in this. When I started this, it was for me. At one point, I got a little lost because I started looking at it as like, how can I use this to help my clients? Which is what you do when you're learning psychotherapy. You you learn it so you can teach your clients. Mm -hmm. The thing that became really different is I needed to learn it for me because that's all I could give. Mm -hmm. Right? So all I could do, I had to get off that track of, oh, I'm going to tell that to my client or I'm going to use that metaphor or I'm going to remember that idea that somebody said. If I didn't let it be here, it can't go there. Like, you know, it's got to come in and live before you can give it away. (laughs) Um, So that's also part of the excitement, right? You learn it. And I sit with a client and I learn and I learn and I learn while I'm talking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love it. Can you tell? (laughs) Yes, I can tell. That's so great. Wow. Yeah. And you mentioned burnout too, early on that you were feeling a little burned out. Um, And so I'm assuming that changed. Absolutely. I, I will steal a description I heard uh, somebody else use. And it was Angus. I know you know Angus Ross. Mm-hmm. And I remember him talking to us. Excuse me, just sec, little allergies here. Um, saying at one point in his life, and I'm going to steal his story because it fit me perfectly. My okay. Along with me. He remembered thinking, looking around, like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I guess I'll do this till I can retire. <laughs> and I that, that rung, that, that's how it felt to me. I thought, well, I guess I could show up punch the clock. I'm good enough. I could do this. And I didn't think I would be of poor service to my clients, but I wasn't going to be alive. Mm. Right. I was just, I was like, okay, how many years? Right? Mm. All I, can quit. I can't imagine stopping now. No. I mean, I will. I mean, someday I'll get, you know, too old or tired. <laughs> You're right. Uh, yeah. 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 Wow, that's so great. And it's so yeah. funny you, you say that about stopping. I mean, Mavis Karn, you know, is in her 80s now. Yes. George Pransky, too. You know, I think people keep talking about slowing down, but and then just don't do it. And it's they're so filled with the joy of life and love and the yeah, just the creative energy that's, you know, flowing through all of us that they can't right. seem to walk away, which is so great. Yeah, right. And to and to bring that overflow to the work you're doing, mm-hmm. you're not really great to be doing your work from that space, but you know people benefit from it, mm-hmm. right, in a really different way. So, yeah. 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 And, you know, I mean, it's so interesting that we're talking about burnout and, and I interviewed Joe Bailey a few weeks ago and he, um, I think he worked, he may still work with therapists, you know, and in sort of in the preventing burnout space. Uh-huh. And um, I just loved what you said about it becomes a peer to peer relationship and yeah. you're simply sharing what you see. And it's the same thing that's available to your clients. I love mm-hmm. that equal playing field rather yeah. than you're up here and you're trying to save them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when, it, and when it's like that, when I'm up here trying to tell you what to do, I'm the expert. Let me tell mm-hmm. you how to fix your life, right? And it fails. It's my <laughs> fault. Oh, right. right? So, so, yes. so you don't leave people room to um, to find what works for them, yeah. right? Uh, you just kind of, it's my fault. 
either it's my fault because I'm a crappy therapist or their fault because they didn't do it well enough. I, either way, it doesn't work, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that sense of like, we're all well, we're all whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, and you mentioned the little school of big change. Were there any other sort of um, trainings that you took or anything? Oh gosh, so I did big school, little change, not as a coach. I did that as a, as a student because she right. also does training. Uh, so I did that as a student. Um, I've done a number of um, pretty extensive, uh, I don't know what you call them, webinars with with um, Bill Pettit, mm-hmm. um, online seminars, I guess. Um, I finished six months with Ingus and Rohini Ross in the rewilding program, which I know is right. how you ran into me. Yeah. Um, what else have I done formally? <laughs> Anything I can get my hands on. Yeah. 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 So tell us a little bit about rewilding. That was one of the questions I wanted to ask you about what that word means to you and what that looks like. Yeah. So I know, I know you're somewhat familiar with it, but for the audience, the rewilding mm-hmm. paradigm um, came from the the process that happened when they rewilded Yellowstone National Park by reintroducing the, reintroducing the wolves. Mm-hmm. When the wolves have laughed, had left, the landscape literally physically had changed. Right with yeah. the, with the removal of the wolves, and when the wolves came back, the deer population went down, the erosion went away, the plant life came back, the beavers came back, the deer came back. The, I mean, the deer went back, but the bears came back, and the rivers changed course, and the eagles came back. I mean, it's just this remarkable thing when when nature was restored to its its original way. I guess is what we call it. balance. So, yeah, balance. There's the word. Um, so in the rewilding, that that was the metaphor that really drew me, that that we are well and whole and, and wise in our capacity to balance ourselves and to heal ourselves and to um to be well, I guess, to be at ease. You know, even through the eye of the hurricane, I think is Joe one of Joe Bailey's thing, right? Like mm-hmm. peace in the eye of the hurricane. Um so I was really drawn and that had come out of, I'd been drawn to that with Bill Pettit's work also. He was, he really, nothing broken, nothing lacking is, you know, his kind of tagline. Um, so I was really curious about that. And boy, was that a life changer for me and for my, and for my clients to really see that under the noise, always under the noise, we're well, mm-hmm. we are at peace, we are at peace. The noise comes, the noise goes, but, but our rewilded nature, if we can rewild ourselves, uh, is, is wise and it knows what it's doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah, that wolf story from Yellowstone is such a great metaphor. And there's, there's a video actually that I'll link to it's maybe five or 10 minutes long and it tells the story. And I, I think it's called how wolves, um, rerouted a river or it's something about the connection between the wolves and the river yeah they changed the course of the river and it has to do with all that stuff yeah fascinating i I found it by googling rewilding yellowstone on youtube okay okay cool so you'll find it yeah yeah it's a beautiful five minute oh it's it's so delightful in its hope and promise for our wellness right Mm -hmm. yeah 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 exactly and so I want to ask a bit more about um, 
the difference you see, we've kind of touched on this already, but the difference that you see between the old paradigm psychological approach and this one, is there anything else? Yeah. That we haven't talked about that you notice when you're working with clients. Yeah. Well, um, what do I want to say on that space? In the old paradigm, maybe you're familiar with the podcast, psychology has it backwards, right? Christine Heath and Judy Sedgwood, Sedgwood, Sedgman. Sedgman, yeah. Um, the in the in, in so in traditional psychotherapy, you you I mean you have some different schools of thought, but but one of the big ones, which is really kind of seeped into our culture, is you go back into trauma and you dig through it and you dig it up and you you get good with it, right? And that somehow going back and revisiting all that is going to heal us. And I don't know that, I wouldn't say there's no value in visiting our past, but to know we're well first, and then we can digest our past is really different than digest your past past so you'll get well, Mm. right? It's like, you know, going into battle wounded (laughs) versus being well, and and then not even battle, that's probably not a good word, but, um, you know, doing something difficult, you want to be whole and well, you don't have to do the difficult thing to get whole and well. So there's mm-hmm. that that paradigm shift of 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 digging, needing to almost resurrect the past to be okay today. Mm-hmm. So that's very different for me. I really am very now focused. That um, we may talk about the past, but man, I want us to know we're whole and well before we we go walking around back there, right? Mm-hmm. So that's from one school of thought, there's another, there's the other like cognitive therapy, which gets a little closer to three principles. Cognitive therapy is, you know, you change your thinking so you'll feel better, right? You think a certain way and it makes you feel a certain way, but then cognitive therapy takes a step of going, well, let's talk about changing that thinking. And and so you're policing your thinking, right? Um, And it, it, it's interesting. I mean, through three principles, we do look at our feelings or a reflection of what we're thinking, right? But but cognitive therapy then used thinking to fix our thinking. So it's more thinking about what's causing us distress, which is our thinking, um, as opposed to maybe noticing and letting it be okay, letting it be. Um, so all of the, oh, I guess strategies that would come from those schools I don't use those anymore um the 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 other thing I think about a lot is like anxiety is a big one for me I when I was doing traditional psychotherapy I got where I wouldn't I to the best of my ability I would refer people with high anxiety to someone else because I felt so hopeless about it Mm. like so stuck in in not feeling like I could do much for those people other than give them some coping skills I now it's like anxiety, come, come mm. sit with me. We we got this. Like, let's do anxiety. Like I see it so clearly and so differently now, you know, and it's not just like, well, let's be rational about it or let's do a breathing technique or let's, you know, dig through your trauma that caused your anxiety or let's, you know, look at the thinking that's so it's very, very different. And it's permanent. And when people see that in, when they have an insight around it, it's theirs. They don't have to, Remember to practice a breathing technique or remember to, you know, scour through the thinking and make sure it's okay. Or mm-hmm. yeah. Does that answer that for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love the the um, kind of, I'm going to call it a reversal that you said, you know, yeah. uh, um, approaching things from the position that we are well, yeah. you know, and if we need to look into the past, we're going in there with that awareness versus feeling like we're broken and, yeah. and, and approaching life that way that we need to get well. That's yeah. such, that's such a great way to look at it. I love that. Right. And it's, so now it's just a path of discovering our way home not kind of going back and rebuilding the foundation of a house while you're living in it and <laughs> whatever metaphor that would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Exactly. For people coming in who've been given a diagnosis, they've been told they're bipolar. They've been told they're OCD. They've been told they're, you know, grab the DSM. There's hundreds of diagnoses in there and they feel um, burdened with that label. Mm-hmm. Right, like this is what you walk with. This is now who you are. To be able to realize that that's just a construct kind of laid over them, and that the the wellness is still in there, and they can burst back out. Right, like ah, cool yes. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's so great. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were um? Well, let me see. Well, how do I want to phrase that? You've, we one of the questions I wanted to ask you was what you love about working with your clients. And I feel like we've kind of um, talked about that. Is there anything you'd like to share about, I don't know, something fun or interesting that's happened with one of your clients? So, you know, sort of a big uh, shift that you've seen or. Oh, a big shift in one of my clients. Hmm. I, I'm a little hesitant because I don't want to, I, I can give some blank. I don't want to give away any identifying yes. information, yes. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll kind of there, like there, there was a couple clients that I had seen um, prior to three principles who pretty routinely were hospitalized with some severe suicidal ideation once to twice a year, like mm. Routinely for years, mm-hmm. um, electroconvulsive therapy, tons of medications. Um, I don't, and, and I and I would be anxious about. Like I always felt kind of hyper vigilant around monitoring and and you know making sure that you know all the safety bumpers were in place, right? And and seeing seeing these people as fragile. Mm. as broken right right um that just it, first off one of them hasn't been in the hospital in two years mm. the other one i think has gone once um it, i don't i don't worry about it anymore and i just know that they will if that's what they need that will just come up it's not this kind of constant assessment which i think kind of feeds the the concept that somebody's so fragile Right, that they have to be constantly attended to, and 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 then that, and then how can they not see themselves in that way too, mm-hmm. right? So to me, the most remarkable is is that change, um, that that beginning to walk with their own sense of resilience and well and health, right, and knowing it's there, even though it may get lost to them sometimes but that they know it's there and they can find their way home. Um, 
That's a big one. <laughs> um, the other thing I think I have a lot of, I, I just have a lot of fun with this way of, there's mm-hmm. a lot of humor and lightness and laughing at ourselves, right? And really recognizing how wacky we get sometimes, you know, innocently, but, but uh, gosh, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. that's great. And that, you know, that makes me think of how powerful the story of ourselves is, you know, <sighs> the story that we carry around with ourselves yeah. and about ourselves and how, um, you know, powerful that can be in a detrimental way before we realize that it is a story. Yes. Yeah. Right. And what a, and what a, um, a gift to, to be able to see it's a story of your own creation and, and you're free to put it down. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that's what happens with the diagnosis, isn't it? That it's like, we're assigned this story and we, and we feel like we can't put it down. We we have to carry it around. It's, it's about me, you know, it's kind of like a leech it's attached and yeah. And then realizing no, it's, there's fluidity there. It's, yeah, it's not attached to us. Well, and it doesn't, even, even if it were something like, I mean, I guess there's some stories that you, you know, you, let's say you missed, an, you lost an arm, right? Like you would walk with one arm, but I guess you would walk with two arms too, but, <laughs> but you would, um, you don't have to have a story of yourself as I'm a one-armed person. Right. It's just not to see us as so much deeper um, than that. And, and but labels make people feel like they're stuck with them. Right. Like, how do I unstick this thing you slapped on my chest or my forehead? Yeah. Right? And I mean, I never liked labels before, but they're even harder to swallow now right? mm-hmm. for, for people to to believe that I I um. It just occurred to me, one of the things I've heard Bill Pettit say a number of times is, uh, so one of the things that comes up in psychotherapy is resistance. There's this term of resistance, like the client is resisting. They're not doing what I'm telling them to do. Therefore, they're not getting better. Like it puts all the burden on the client, right? For mm-hmm. not getting getting better. And he has this thing that he's been saying lately of um, resistance is the absence of hope. Mm. That a client is resisting. Because they don't really have hope that what you're telling them is going to make any difference. And that's a little bit married to a label, right? You will have this all your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I see in the three principles, resistance is not even an issue because their hope springs eternal in that space, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you have this label that nobody's ever cured or gotten better for. All you can do is cope with it, you know, find your way to cope, Um and I don't feel like I, I can't remember the last time I thought of that idea mm-hmm. that a client was being resistant. <laughs> like I, it wouldn't work in this paradigm at all anyway, but yeah. Um, but there's so much more hope. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. beautiful. And I know, I mean, I've been in therapy myself a little bit before I, well, quite a while actually, before I found the principles, mm-hmm. um, for maybe six or seven or eight years after I left a cult that I was involved in. And, you know, it was helpful to a certain degree. Um, 
And then I got really interested in self-help. So, you know, then it became reading all the self-help books I could find and all that kind of stuff. And what I walked away with from that was that when things didn't work, I was the problem. Yeah. You know, when somebody's strategy or technique or the way they did it um, didn't work for me, that meant that I was at fault. And, yeah. and I love the way that that has changed so much with this, that it's, it's not about taking somebody else's advice. It's about looking toward, as we've said, our own wisdom and yeah. well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and that that is something that's, portable with you for life. Mm-hmm. Like you're not forever at the mercy of, I need to go back and see a therapist again, or now I have a crisis. I need to see somebody L- like, it's almost like for some people it, it was like, okay, I'm done with therapy for now until the next problem. Yeah. Right. Or the next, whatever, mm-hmm. as if we weren't born to just be, to heal. I think of the physical metaphor of this. I love it a lot that, um, you know, we, we trust our bodies for the most part to heal. Like yeah. it's in there. Like if we just leave, leave a wound alone, don't poke at it and, you know, pour salt on it or infect it in general, for most times it, you know, takes care of itself. And I love that parallel to our, our, emotional world, our psychological world, our, you know, our mental well-being, um, that why wouldn't we be built to heal, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we be built to, to knit ourselves back together? Cause nobody's making it from birth to death without some kind of trauma or awfulness, right? Mm-hmm. And this idea that that always means intervention mm-hmm. as opposed to turning in, um, that just feels really profound to me mm-hmm. that yeah. that to get people to see that. Right. Yeah. The yeah. other physical metaphor I really love is, um, is how the system is built to give us feedback when we're misusing our thinking. Right. right. Yes. That if, if, um, you know, if, if I'm stepping on your toe and it hurts, you tell me to get off. Right. <laughs> But if you're thinking a certain way and it hurts, for some reason, we were never taught to believe that hurt and say, quit thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Look somewhere else like that. It's so exquisitely a one-to-one feedback system, right? Like, so if you're sitting there and dwelling on what somebody said at work yesterday, you feel horrible. The system's going, stop this, right? Get the Bernie poker out of my eye. <laughs> and yet we lean into it. We think harder. Like that somehow in our culture or, or I, I don't know where it came from, but we're stuck. Many of us are stuck with it thinking. That means I need, if it feels bad, I need to think some more about it. But that's like saying it hurts when you're stepping on my foot. So step harder, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that alone is just like a breath of burden off for, for so much of where we get stuck. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm imagining that, um, that you work with your clients for sort of shorter periods of time now. Is that true? Uh, you mean it's hard as it's so funny. My sessions last longer. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, <laughs> I don't see people as long. Yeah, you I, don't one see of the things that long. was always really hard in the traditional therapy is there's the therapy hour, which is 50 minutes, right? And right. Somehow you were supposed to sit down and 50 minutes later leave with it all in some nice package, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that just doesn't, to me anymore, feel honoring to where people are at. So I have much more open ended. But uh, yeah, I'm. I was a little scary at first because I didn't see people as long. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like I, I won't have clients. Um, but yeah, yay. Yeah, right. Hey, you get to be done and go away. Not be done and be good enough. Right. Not be done until the next time. I mean, certainly that there's things that happen. Right. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but to know that somebody's walking out of my, out of the work we've done together and they are um, prepared for so much more than just getting past whatever it was, mm-hmm. right. Or just not having social anxiety more or not um, having panic attacks or not having a problem with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Like it's so much more, mm-hmm. Right. It is a global solution, not a let's patch this problem together and then this problem together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So where do your, where do your clients come from then? Um, word of mouth for me is, is most of it. Okay. Um, I, I, when I was more plugged into the traditional psychotherapy, I had a, a referral stream from other psychiatrists and stuff. I did a lot of couples work. I still do mm-hmm. a lot of couples work. Um, so at this point it's, it's mostly word of mouth, mm-hmm. yeah, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> they know what they're getting into. <laughs> oh, Talk nice. to the crazy lady. <laughs> yeah. The crazy lady who thinks you're all right. You're okay. Yeah, right. Who <laughs> won't tell you, Oh my God, you are sick. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is, this is terrible. We're going to be here for a long time. You yeah. know, that's the other thing that's so different. Um, there, there was there in in traditional psychotherapy training. There's a lot of emphasis on empathizing with where some where, where they're, mm-hmm. which is important, right? To say I get it, but it would almost become this dramatizing of the pain, like really, oh my god, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. What happened? Tell me, you know, it it it, it was poking your finger in the wound, a hope punch, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, which made it kind of underscoring that the so back to the inside out you know things underscoring that what happened out there is the problem in here mm-hmm. and we underscore it by really getting into it and asking for details and what happened and and how what were you feel, like really making it alive mm-hmm. right and and then and as if that that outside past thing was what needed to be fixed as opposed to this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And um, is there anything you can share about working with couples that you see, you know, in addition to everything we've talked about? Yeah. So there's an, so (laughs) when I was trained to work with couples originally, so 20 years ago, let's say um, two things. One, one of the kind of, um, I would say kind of unspoken, truth 
often truths in the psychotherapy community is most people don't like doing it. They no. would do it, but they didn't want to. I actually loved it. I really loved working with couples, but, um, and I still do, but most of the work would be done with a couple together. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, and it was a lot of, trying to get them to hear each other different communication skills, maybe some looking at family of origin problems. But what's so clear to me now is that it's it's almost like we're talking about like getting well before you walk into the past. Like I almost do almost all of my work with couples now separately, individually, so that they can come together for a better space. Mm. Right. And, And I, it's like, it's so important to me that they feel grounded and well, if they want to talk about something that happened 10 years ago, that they're coming to it well, not mm-hmm. wounded. Right. right. Again, it's that same thing. Like, oh, we have to fix that wound, that thing you, that betrayal five years ago or this or that. We have to go back and talk about that so we can be okay. And I really see it different now. Like we have to be pretty okay before we can talk about that, or we will just be pouring salt on wounds. Right. Um, so I really, I, I do that really differently now, um, a lot more personal awareness and, and sense of what they're bringing to the relationship before I'll, before I walk backwards with them. If, if, if we decide to walk backwards, you know, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so great. I hadn't heard anybody explain that before in that way. I love hearing that. Yeah, it's so true. It's exactly what you talked about at the beginning. It's the same thing when we know we're well, and then going into any situation. um, Yeah, we, we just always have that wellness with us. And we can, and we can recenter and reground and re-regulate and not be as insecure, Mm -hmm. right? That, That overwhelming thing of if we're feeling insecure, we drop several levels of consciousness and we go to battle, right? <laughs> yeah. And that, and the insecure places is where we do our, our damage to, to our loved ones. Right? Yeah. Um, so I want to make really sure if somebody's secure before we, we go to something that's, that's difficult, right? Mm-hmm. You know, talking about whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And then we really need to talk about it. oftentimes when when the the security comes back up and the the general um I don't know level of consciousness is raised and we see more clearly where our problems are coming from it's not what they did it's our thinking about what they did lots of stuff melts away it just doesn't matter we don't have to look at it mm-hmm. right it's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's beautiful. I mean, if you think about, are you in a relationship I don't, or have been like the things you fought about oh. are so ridiculous. I know. Right? I know. Yeah. And, and so when we get, when we get centered and we see our own wellness and, and our, and our security feels, we're not feeling insecure. We don't have to have those conversations anymore. We don't have to fight about who threw the wet towel on the bed or <laughs> the dishwasher a certain way or right or sl- whatever, right? It's like, yeah, it, it, there's really not as much to do. <laughs> yeah. or, or therapy becomes much less. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. I love that. Good. So we're just about to wrap up our time together. What is there anything we haven't touched on? I feel like we've touched on so much, but anything oh, you else you'd like to share? 
Ah, I, I guess I just my own personal wish that more therapists mm. knew this and saw this. And I mean, there's a lot of good therapists doing good stuff out there, but, but man, it's, it's like, it's not putting the turbo juice in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like, it's like never getting out of granny gear. I don't know. It's like so much. So that's just a wish I have for the world, right? That, that mm-hmm. this was more widespread. Um, it's, it's funny, you know, when, 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 um, uh, my brain is, my brain is going, when Sid Banks first brought this into the world, he was targeting psychiatrists and psychologists. Mm-hmm. That didn't, it, that's not what happened. I mean, there was some, you know, there's the Pranskis and there's Bill Pettit and, Christine Heath. Oh, there's a few people out there in the mental health field. Ron, Ron, uh, Ron Howard, Mark Howard, Ron Howard. He may be too. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, but it 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 didn't it didn't explode like I would have imagined, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it got picked up by coaches and stuff, which is great. Kept it alive. It 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 moved. But I think there's there's more awareness coming. Um, so that's my hope is that it's funny. Almost when I found this, I have to renew, renew my license every two years to continue to be a licensing, a licensed uh, therapist. I was not going to renew. Like I was so like, Oh, this is not it. We need to do. But then I realized I need to renew. I need to stay in this. This needs to come to the mental health profession, right? Mm-hmm. This awareness needs to come here. So. So if there's any mental health therapist, listen, <laughs> listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, let's, yeah, just keep our fingers crossed, keep spreading the word. Uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I do this podcast and uh, yeah. So we'll just, yeah, we'll hope that it will spread out ripples Good. in a pond, so to speak. That's right. We need to throw <laughs> some boulders in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Cannonballs. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Your kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So why don't you tell us where we can find out more about you and your work? Uh, the easiest is my website, which is just jerrykramer.com. Mm-hmm. J-E-R-I-K-R-A-M-E-R. Um, I do my personal work in Arizona. I do Zoom work wherever Zoom wherever Zoom is near you, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So I will put links in the show notes to that. And it's, yeah, J-E-R-I-K-R-A-M-M-E-R. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry. (laughs) I said we'll get that that, uh, rewilding link. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put that link to that video in in as well. It's so fascinating. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jerry. This has been so lovely. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. Me too. All right. Take care. You too. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you'd like to connect, go to alexandraamore.com forward slash connect. I'll see you next time.